0: Yeah, step number one, it says we admitted that we were powerless Powerless. over our addictions. addictions. And that our, our lives, lives had become unmanageable. unmanageable. Just like Brother Norton just shared with us just That's a few right. minutes ago, in order for him to feel the need or the desire to go to Christ or to get his life together, right. he had to fall rock bottom. That's right. It took almost an incident that caused your life. It took a time when your health was in jeopardy That's in order right. for you to say, you know what, I have got to get my life together. And for all of us, it always comes to that point. We realize that our lives are unmanageable at the moment when we are lowest in this world.
1: Yeah, my dad would say, he says, and sometimes to to look up, you got to be knocked down. Come on, say amen. Amen. All right. Step number two, uh, we came to believe. Come on, help us, everybody. That a power, power greater, greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I just have a text of scripture I'm going to read for this, and that is simply this—a quote rather. Greater is he that is in us Mm. than he that is in the world. Step number three. Step number three. Read it with me. We made a decision decision.
0: to turn our will Will and our lives over to the care of God
1: as as we we understood understood him. I think
0: I'll quote a text too here. The Bible says in 1 Peter that we ought to cast all our cares cares. upon him because he indeed cares for us. We don't trust our lives to ourselves. We cast everything on God because God not only has the power to help us, That's right. he is both willing
1: to help us and he's capable. <laughs> and he's able. Amen. Yeah. Step number four. We made a searching and fearless mm-hmm. moral. What's the key word there, everybody? Inventory of ourselves. My father would say it like this. I love the quote. Of him. He would say, you need to have a reality check. And there was a text for this as well. David says in Psalms 139, he says, search me, O God, oh, yeah. examine me and prove me and know my heart. I would rather search myself than have somebody tell me tell uh, tell me otherwise. That's Sometimes right. you have to do your own house cleaning. Amen. And All right, step number five. Step number five goes right along with
0: step four. I think we combined them one night and it says we admitted to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Many of us, sometimes we are good at introspection. We can look at ourselves, but we do not have most that's people right. do not have accountability partners. That's right, that's right. Nobody can check you at any time. People are actually afraid to check you because they're afraid you're going to blow up in their face and get angry at them or something like that's that. Right, that's right. But we need Nathans in our lives, people who will come to us that's and right. call us out on our business and say, you know what, you will are wrong on this and you need to get it together yes, amen sir.
1: amen all right man step number six says we were come on now entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. One of the things I notice about this step is that it's not number one. A lot of times you would assume that, you know, from day one, somebody would say, look, God, just take everything away from me. But how many know that in your Christian experience, God begins to reveal more and more junk about you as time progresses. And then as you are on the journey, amen, like like the potter has the pot and he's molding it, you begin to see more and more stuff. The closer we get to Christ, the more we see of ourselves. And then we begin to get to a place where, I mean, for lack of a better word, you just get sick and tired of yourself. And you say, God, take everything out of my life that is not pleasing to you. And this is very pleasing to the Lord. Step number seven. We humbly ask him to remove all of our shortcomings. That goes
0: right along with step number six. We just ask God, God, take it out of me right now. And God will indeed do that when we ask. All right. Step eight and nine. Mm -hmm. We made a list of all persons we had harmed, And we became willing to make amends to them all. And then step nine, we made a direct amendment to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Many times for many of us through the course of our addiction or through the course of the problems that we've had in life, we have hurt people along the way. That's right. And also people have hurt us. Mm -hmm. And so it takes us forgiving people because if we don't forgive people, we are the ones in prison. Many of us believe that because you won't forgive somebody, you're holding a grudge against somebody, you're somehow hurting them. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. You're the one who is suffering when you refuse to forgive somebody else. Because the truth is whether you love somebody or hate somebody, they're still on your mind. That's right. That's right. You're still obsessed with them. That's right. So the word of God says, in order for us to move forward, we got to leave our gift at the altar and go make things right with the people who have hurt us and with the people that we have hurt.
1: All right. Step number 10 says, come on, everybody, read this with us. We continued to take what kind of inventory? Oh, personal. Personal inventory. Oh, yeah. And when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. And this is one of the things that you will discover as you get close to Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you begin to see your flaws and the more willing you'll begin to admit when you're wrong. See, an unsaved person is always trying to deny what they've done. They're always trying to make excuses for what they've done. They're always trying to justify what they've done. But I like this. This is step 10. You'd still think that this would be early on in the process. But what this is showing us is as we grow and we grow and we get closer to the Lord, we start to get to a place where we have no shame in acknowledging I was wrong. I was wrong. I need to change. And I will continually need to change so long as I stay in relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Step 11. Please read it with me. We We sought through (laughs) prayer and the the word word to improve our consciousness. consciousness, Praying
0: for knowledge of his will and for the power to carry it out. Listen, Mm -hmm. prayer is vitally important for your life. Mm -hmm. If you do not pray, you have simply denied the existence of God. That's right. If you believe what the word of God says about us, that we are all sinners, that we are all depraved, that even our righteousness is as filthy rags and there's nothing we can do to win our souls to god then you also have to admit to yourself listen i need to indeed need to pray. <laughs> pray without right, ceasing right. i need to talk to god and invite him into my life because he is the only one who has the
1: power and pastor let me say this notice what it says it says we thought we sought through prayer mm-hmm. and the word to improve our god consciousness what is god consciousness It's simply recognizing that god is present You're conscious of the presence of God. There's nothing that does that better for you than to constantly be in an attitude of prayer. That's why the Word of God says, pray without ceasing. Are we praying without ceasing because we're trying to look holy? No, we're praying without ceasing because we want to stay in the atmosphere of God's presence. When we pray, it does not bring God down to us, but it brings us up to God. Come on, say amen. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 5 is our text tonight, and we're going to get into that. I hear just a little bit of uh, tweaking in my mic, but... Just work that out for us, my brother. Mark chapter 5 is our text. So what book do we say, everybody? And what chapter do we say? Let's try that one more time. What book do we say, everybody? And what chapter did we say? Chapter 5. This is probably Pastor Coatesman and I's probably favorite oh, yeah, story oh, yeah, oh, yeah. in the entire Bible. Oh, yeah. And we're going to preach our heads off tonight oh, yeah. until all of hell gives up right. fighting against God's Amen. people. Amen. Amen? All right, let's do it. All right, let's go. They went across the lake to the region of the Garrison. Mm-hmm.
0: And when Jesus got out of the boat, A man with an impure spirit
1: came from the tombs to meet him. Verse 3 says, read with me, everybody. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Verse 4 says, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. That's right. Night and day among the tombs and in the
0: hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And When he saw Jesus Hallelujah. from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, uh-huh. son of the most high God? Yes, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man,
1: you impure spirit. The Bible says in verse nine, help me, everybody. Then Jesus asked him. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And verse 10 says, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Let's get to verse 15. Verse 15. When they came to Jesus,
0: they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Yes. They were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Then the people began, now this is a strange text that we're going to try to examine tonight. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Have mercy. Verse 18 says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Verse 19. Jesus did not... Let him. Now that's strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But said, Go
0: home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you mm-hmm. and how he has had mercy on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Man. With God's help in your prayers tonight, we want to preach on this subject Tell Your Story. Somebody
1: shout that out real loud. Say, Tell. tell. Your story. Your story. Let's pray Lord, about this friend. thing. Yes.
0: Father in heaven, uh, we don't want to miss what you have for us tonight. That's right. Father, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without us. Mm-hmm. Whatever words you have, God, we don't want to miss it through the cares of the world, through any worries that we have brought in, through any distractions that we have on our minds right now. God, whatever it is, we're asking that you just clear our minds completely. Remove the clutter. Remove the pain. Remove the unforgiveness, God. Remove the dark areas of our lives right now so that we can hear exactly what you want to say to us. And, oh, God, we'll be careful to give you all
1: praise, all honor, and all glory. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. 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 Step 12. Let's read step 12. This is our last and final step out of the 12 steps. And this is the exciting part. This is the celebration part. Let's all read this together. Having had a spiritual experience as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So where we are tonight is this. After all that the Lord has done in our lives, after all the things that he has brought us through, We are now at a point where we got to tell somebody. Amen. We've got to tell somebody of what great things God has done to us. When something good happens to you, you want to tell it. We have a video tonight that we want to show you that will sort of open up the dialogue about telling your story. Has anybody ever heard of Chick-fil-A? Amen. Somebody said, oh, yes. Come on in here, somebody. Have mercy. Well, Chick-fil-A is not only known for, uh, well, at least they say they're known for having the best chicken sandwich. But Chick-fil-A, in particular, is known for having the best customer service pastor. That's right. They are known for taking good care of their customers. Anybody been a witness of that? Amen? So, I mean, I know you go to Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all didn't want to raise your hands. So, those, those are all the members of this church. Amen. We are we are. know each I feel like I'm All right. So, they're known for their customer service. But there is a philosophy behind their customer service. Most people know that Chick-fil-A is a Christian company. But there's a philosophy why they treat people the way they treat them in a fast food restaurant. Most of you know, you go to any other fast food restaurant and they treat you like trash. Come on, say amen. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about yeah, in there? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Chick Fil A has has a cut above them in that they treat everybody in a special way. And tonight we're going to ask Orlando if he will prepare to cue this video that shows the philosophy as to why they treat their customers the way they do.
0: Yeah, Chick Fil A is just amazing to me. One of the things that they do is that they don't—they're not even open on Sundays. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I mean, that's That's one of the days that most people that get off a church, they're flying by a fast food restaurant, they want to get some food. That's a day when they can make a whole lot of profits, and these people are not even open. They stay true to their beliefs. They pretty much believe that Sunday is their Sabbath, and they do not open on that day. Also, when you go into Chick-fil-A, man, it's like you're walking into a country club almost. That's right. They actually put fresh flowers on the table each day. Y'all didn't know that. Y'all didn't even know. Y'all just got your chicken sandwich, and you left. You didn't even know that. (laughs) I was in there the other day, and I'm not going to tell you what I was eating. They do have good waffles. Ah, fries. Ah, ah, you don't always have to eat chicken when you go eat. You in. were getting fries. Just fries, just fries, just fries. <laughs> but anyway, they have they have such good customer service that it is absolutely amazing that this is even a fast food chain. That's right. It's absolutely amazing to me. And the fact that they are a Christian organization that stays true to their beliefs, that's also amazing to me. Sure. So they came up with a video that we're about to show you right now, and uh, we'll talk about it in just one second.
1: All right, let's show it. So I want to let Pastor Colson break this thing down, but this is a video that they show all their employees. All right, I want you to get the connection. They show this video to all their employees to motivate them to have, to relate to people in a more appropriate way based on their story. Pastor Colson, work with this thing. This is a powerful video.
0: Yeah, bottom line is this, brothers and sisters, and this may sound cliche, but everybody has a story. That's right. Every single person that you meet on this earth they are basically a cosmopolitan or a cocktail of different events that have happened in their lives to make them the person who they are. Many of us see great people on the TV screen, we see great people in music, and we say to ourselves, man, I wish I was like that person. But many of us don't realize, neither do we think about, what it took to get that person there. That's right. Do you want the greatness at the expense of the story that that person had to go through to get where they are? Also, it leaves us with this impression as well, we should judge nobody on earth. That's right. right. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. That's right. You know, I'll be very sensitive here as well, especially with this Trayvon Martin story. That's
1: right.
0: And how he was definitely profiled. I think we have license at least to say that. More than license. Yeah, more than license. He was judged, you know, just because maybe the color of his skin or what he was wearing or what have you. I even heard one pastor say last night that Trayvon Martin was a thug, and we don't have any evidence to that. We don't know anything really about, you know, his story per se. We don't know the young man as well as his parents did. We have no right to judge anybody. And the Bible says that we should judge not lest we be judged. That's right. That is why when we see people praising in church and dancing and running around, I mean, you don't know what they have been through. I myself am a very melancholy person. I like to be pensive when I'm in worship. Sometimes I like to think. Sometimes I like to close my eyes. But at the same time, I don't judge people who like to get loud in church and raise their hands and be happy about what God has done for them. Some of them have been cured from cancer in their lives. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Some people have escaped death itself, no. and we have no right to judge anybody because we
1: do not know what their story is. Yeah, one, one, of, one of the things, uh, very well said, one of the things I like about the video is this is, a, this is a corporate business, okay? This is a corporate business. They sell chicken sandwiches, all right? Yeah, come on. I mean, I mean, they have the cows up on the uh, billboards, and the cows tell you, eat more chicken, you know? That's, that's, that's their thing. They sell sandwiches, all right? We are the church. We ain't selling chicken sandwiches, all right? We are supposed to be selling Jesus Christ. And, and so let's let's put this in the context of church. Or let's even first let's contextualize it in your life. Has anybody ever had a bad day before? No. you ever had a bad day? I mean, I mean it's like a bad day, a day from hell kind of day, right? Yeah. And, and and let's say you're in the grocery store and, and somebody is, is is being rude to you, or you're getting bad service at a restaurant, or you or somebody cuts you off in traffic, and, and they just they have no clue. As to what you've been through on that day. Now, let's reverse the tables. Mm -hmm. Say that you have gotten mad at somebody for the way that they treated you or for some young person that walks across Lee Road as you're going past Harvard and they're taking their time across the street and their pants are down. They got an attitude and you're like, man, what kind of kid is this? They have no respect, but you don't know their story either. You don't know what happened to them. I never shall forget that uh, Stephen Covey, and I've told this story before, Mm -hmm. Stephen Covey in his book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, tells a story about... Uh, a, a, a man and his two children who were getting on a train leaving Delaware and going to New York City. Anybody know anything about the Tri-City area? You know that the trains is very connected. So he was on his way to New York City with his two children. When he got on the train, there were a lot of people who noticed that his children were very rowdy, they were very disrespectful, they were loud, they were getting on people's nerves, they were misbehaving, they were fighting with each other. And the husband and the, and the father just sat there and did nothing, and nobody could understand why. He was sitting there pensive and, mm-hmm. and sort of melancholy, and it was like he was zoned out, not even not even there. Mm-hmm. And so finally, this one man sitting in front of the children had about had enough. And Anybody ever been there before? you seen kids acting crazy, and you just about had enough and said, I'm tired. I know these ain't my kids, but I'm about to say something. And so, the, so, so this gentleman, just furious, trying to hold it in, turned around and said, listen, man, you need to get your kids in check. Mm-hmm. Your kids are out of control. They've been wild ever since they got in here, and I'm asking you. And so all of a sudden, tears began to stream down this man's face, and he says, I apologize. My mind is not here, but the kids just found out that their mother died. Do you understand what we're saying yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. We judge people too harshly sometimes because we do not know their story. And everybody in here has experienced either somebody doing that to us or we have done it to somebody else. Wouldn't it be a blessing, be a blessing Pastor, if the church would embrace the mindset of Chick-fil-A? Yeah. That when people come through the doors, you don't know it. that they are not, that they're not crazy, they're not strange. They are people with yes. a story. Yeah, you
0: don't know what anybody has gone through. And the truth of the matter is, too, us sitting in this room, every one of us here, if I were to take this mic and just run around this room, everybody has a story. Yes. You may not want to admit that thing, but you've been through something, and maybe your story is not finished yet because while you are alive and breathing fresh air because of God's grace, your story is not finished yet. But even up until this point in your life, like Brother Norton and many other yes. people who have given their testimonies night after night, God has brought you through something. Also, like me, when I was at Oakwood, Pastor, I told you, I used to pray for a testimony because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a, becoming a preacher I said, Pat, you know, God, I want something to tell the people of God. I want to tell them that my car flipped 15,000 head. I was shot in the and head survived. and a bullet just came right out of my nose and I walked through fire yes. and I'm still alive today. I wanted some kind of crazy testimony so that people would begin to see the power of God in my life. But many of us right now, we, we, we say, oh, I don't have a powerful testimony like that. You ought to be thankful for God's keeping power yes. in your
1: life.
0: Yes, That's sir. the main fact that God has kept you is a story in and of itself. The fact that your heart is beating, you don't have anything to do with that. The fact that your lungs are still, lungs are still pumping air into your yes. body, you have to be grateful to God just for that. And so tonight, we're telling you, everybody that you see
1: has a story, and you have a story yourself. Somebody just say with me, I have mm-hmm. a, story. a story. Now I want you to look at your neighbor now and say to your neighbor, you have a story. Mm-hmm. Amen, 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 amen. Now let's, let's break down this <laughs> Powerful text. Oh yes. I don't know where the Lord is gonna take us right now. He's gonna take us somewhere. But he going he got to take us going somewhere. Going somewhere. Yeah. Mark chapter five. This is this man, we this is one of our favorite texts in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And now we want to simply understand this demoniac, this man who was possessed with a demon that Jesus miraculously cast out. 6,000, a legion of demons, mm-hmm. the scripture says. What was the context, Pastor, of this text? What set this up? Where did they come from? Yeah. How
0: did this happen? Jesus is somewhere probably in the middle of his ministry or the beginning middle type area of his ministry. He has already chosen his disciples. He's done a few miracles already. And they have gotten into a boat. Jesus told his disciples, listen let us go to the other side. That's right. And whatever Jesus says, it's a promise. Amen? That's right. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. We're that means we're going to get there to the other side. That's right. The Bible says they are, they go, they're in the boat, and all of a sudden, a squalor or a huge storm comes on the boat. Mm-hmm. Now, these fishermen who have been on the water all their lives recognize, listen, this is a real bad storm because they begin to say, oh, man, we are going to die. Mm-hmm. They're scrambling around trying to uh, bucket water, uh, b- uh, take a bucket and get water out of the boat at this time. And then some Somebody comes up with the bright idea. Hold up now. Where is Jesus?
1: Yeah, and Jesus on here.
0: <laughs> they go down into the hold of the boat, and what they find is Jesus sound asleep and snoring on a pillow in the boat. Yes. And so they shove him, and they wake him up, and they say, Jesus, wake up. Do you not care that we are going to die? And the Bible says, to make a long story short, Jesus gets up and says, my brothers, why are you so afraid? afraid? Looks around and says, winds, waves, shut up, be silent. I was sleeping. And then the brothers in the boat began to say to themselves, Wow, Mm -hmm. who is this man Mm -hmm. that even the winds and the waves Mm -hmm. obey him? Mm -hmm. So in this moment, God has uh, allayed their fears. He has made them feel comfortable and he tells them, listen, while I am with you,
1: you have nothing to fear. Now, here's the amazing part. So, so what we're trying to show you is, is before everything has a story, even a story has a story. Mm-hmm. So the story of the demoniac is connected with another story, and it's the story of Jesus in the boat, on the water, with the disciples, with the storm, peace be still. Now, here's the amazing part about it. Isn't it amazing that this storm occurred when Jesus said, let's go to the other side? The only reason why the yeah. storm came up uh-huh. is because the devil sent the storm to stop Jesus from getting to the other side oh, wow. because he knew that there was a man there oh, wow. that needed Jesus. I am going to say something to you right now. Uh-huh. Many of the storms that you and I are going through in our lives are simply been sent by the devil to slow us down, oh, yeah. to stop us, yeah, yeah, yeah. to discourage us from something that God has called us to. To do. Mm-hmm. The assignment that the Lord has given you oh, yeah. is not contingent upon your storm. Mm-hmm. The assignment that God has given you is based on your storm. In other words, God would God allow. See Satan thought that the storm would take them out. But God allowed the storm because he was hoping that the disciples would have experienced that storm oh, yeah. and then been willing to deal with this human storm. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Ellen White says, Pastor, Ellen White says this. She says that the storm they experienced on the water was nothing compared to the storm that they were going to experience in that man. Wow. And of course, what did the disciples do when they saw this lunatic? Yeah. <laughs> Running. <laughs> Running towards them. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit of Prophecy tells us that when they step out of the boat,
0: as soon as their feet touch the sand, a wild and manic man comes running towards them. Mm. And, the, and the Spirit of Prophecy says yeah. that the disciples immediately, they just hauled tail. Back home, they said, <laughs> they took off, all right? Off they went running. They were scared for their lives. They were like, and then after a while, as they were running, they looked around and said, hold up now, we left Jesus. And she says that they turned around to look, and they saw Jesus standing there Ooh. resolutely unmoved by this mm. man, but
1: actually waiting for this man to come towards him. Mm. Let's get to the text. What's yep. this, though? I mean, it just Lord, it just hit me, Pastor. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's like God is trying to teach them that if I'm with you, you don't need to get afraid. That's right. That's right. They got afraid on the boat and forgot Jesus was there. And then, you know, you would think they would have learned their lesson by now, Carl. Mm-hmm. Now that they're in another storm, they get afraid and run again and forget that Jesus. Let me just tell you, if, if you know, the Bible says lo, I'm with you always, always. Oh, even wow. to the end of the world. Mm-hmm. There is one main reason why we shouldn't not be afraid, and that is that God is with us. Amen. You gotta believe that, amen? amen? And so here we are, let's get into this thing right now. The Bible says they went across the lake to the region of the
0: Gerasenes and when Jesus got on the boat A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Notice, the Bible says, when Jesus got out of the boat. Yes. (laughs) Not when his disciples.
1: Where where they go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The word
0: of God says, when Jesus (laughs) got out of the boat, this wild, crazy man comes running towards him. Mm -hmm. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. Mm -hmm. for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart, have mercy, Mercy. and broke the irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. So just before we get to our point, look at this. There is a crazy, wild Frankenstein, zombie-type man that is running from the tombs as soon as they step out of the boat. He looks more animal than he looks human. Yeah, he's like a beast, more than a human being. He's like a monster, more than a man. And the Bible says, even in Luke as well, that this man used to cut himself with Mm -hmm. stones. His hair is wild, his eyes are manic, his butt start naked. That's yes, right. I'm just reading the Bible. That's up, that up. Is. That's right. He
1: starts running towards them at this time. Any of us probably would have been afraid at that point, yeah, too. I would have ran. Yeah. I would have ran. And then notice now, it's interesting to me, Pastor, mm-hmm. that 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 he had chains on him oh, yes. that had fetters that had been broken. So that tells me, as we get to our point now. That there had been, an att- and he lived in the tombs, mm-hmm. there had been an attempt by people, and more than likely the church people. That's right. How are we going to deal with this demon-possessed man? How are we going to deal with this man with problems? How are we going to deal with this man with all these issues? Let's just let's just get him out of our way. Mm-hmm. Let's lock him down. Oh, yeah. And let's just forget about That's him. That's right. If we just hold him down, yeah. that will keep him sane. Right. But it didn't work. It did not work. Right. So here's the point we want to make to you tonight just on
0: that. Salvation is about character transformation, not behavior modification. Oh, okay, let me help you now. My, 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 Salvation, or maybe yeah, even yeah. for our purposes That's tonight, right. That's rehabilitation, right. That's right. Is, not, is about character transformation, not necessarily about behavior modification. Right. We as the people of God sometimes, and we don't mean to harp on this all day long, but it, it bears repeating and it we probably repeating. need to right. say right. that. We don't we don't care what's happening in anybody else's heart as long as what we see on the outside is agreeable to us. My Lord, my Lord. We just want people to be modified. We want their behaviors to line up with us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't really care about their characters being transformed. That's 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 not really any of our concern. We don't care about that. And the word of God says with this man who is definitely crazy, the Bible is clear, he was demon possessed. These people grab him every once in a while. They put chains on him and throw him in the tombs with dead people, hoping that that would keep him there. And the Bible says that somehow because of the power of the devil and supernatural strength, he breaks his chains and runs out to terrorize the town all over again. And they repeat this process over and over and over and over again, he breaks free, he goes into the town. They chain him up, they throw him in the tombs. He breaks free, goes into the town. They chain him up, throw him into the tombs. It just seems like, Pastor, what they are doing to him, maybe as the church, is just not working. And it
1: sounds a whole lot like church. It sounds a whole lot like many of our families. When trying to deal with spiritual issues, many of us oh, wow. are using natural solutions. Oh, my Lord. Mm. Listen, some of you need to stop talking to your kids. Mm-hmm. Some of you keep having the same lectures and the same conversations, and you're writing the same letters, and you're sending the same emails, and the same texts, and you're pleading with your husband to turn his life around, and you're badgering, and you're browbeating, and all these things. And some of us, even the rehabs, and the programs, and the institutions, and jail is not enough. But when you identify that the Bible says, that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Christians ought to learn how to fight Spirit with spirit, right? It amazes me, Pastor. They did. They at some point they had to realize that yes. his condition was not normal. That's right. That's right. When are you going to recognize that this is not this is not a normal natural thing? <laughs> that locking him up and throwing him with dead people, so you don't have to be bothered with him anymore, it's right. not mm-hmm. going to change him. It shows me they didn't even care about his soul. They just wanted him out of there. We don't want to deal with his mess anymore. And people do that in their families. We mm-hmm. do it in God's church. Mm-hmm. We do it in society. When people get to a place where they make us uncomfortable and we feel helpless about their lives, we just say, I want you out of my life, get out of my face. But notice this, everybody, in order, and I'm not afraid of the devil. I used to be, but I ain't afraid of him no more. That when you begin to take the weapons of God against the enemy, oh, yes. he must fall subject to the power of God. There was nothing to fear of the devil. God is our Man, the, Lord, the word of God says that the enemy is under our feet. Mm-hmm. He has given us authority. But notice this. They were afraid. And this was somebody's son. Mm-hmm. This was somebody with a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This somebody. He was somebody. And they didn't even
0: care about that. And many times the people of God, especially the church as well, man, we would love to see the pews and the balcony just filled. Yeah. We want to see everything just feel. Oh, Everybody suited and booted and look real nice. But we, God is not necessarily concerned about that, brothers and sisters. Yes. Okay, you don't want to say amen, but I know uh, I'm telling the truth tonight. Yes, yes. God is not concerned whether or not the church is filled. Right. God cares about people's lives being changed. Yes. God does not care if 2 or 3 people are in the pews and we're preaching the same message with the same passion and the same yes. power and money is being expended. God does not care. What he cares about is people's lives are being transformed. That's right. That's right. Jesus told the Pharisees at one point, you know what? You are like whitewashed tombs. That's right. That's right. You look good on the outside, but inside you are filled with dead man's balls. If this brother looked good and his hair was nice, he had gel on and it was slicked back real nice, had on a nice suit, had a good job, they would not care anything about his soul salvation whatsoever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the problem was, actually, he was dead, Pastor. Mm-hmm. He was a dead walking man. Yes, he was. He dead. was a zombie. The Bible says he was living amongst the tombs. In other words, living amongst dead people. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Many of us today as well. We are basically the living dead. That's right. That's right. We're living, but we're dead. That's right. That's right. Dead relationships, dead circumstances, no hope, no power in our lives. God is not doing anything for us. We do not sense
1: his presence. We are essentially dead when it comes to spiritual things. Listen, I love one of my favorite uh, preachers, Ernest Young, my professor at seminary. He said it like this. The Bible talks about the deadness of our spirit. He calls it, the Bible calls it dead works. Mm-hmm. This refers to behavior modification. This is a struggle in our church. In our church, we want people just simply to do right things. Yes. We don't care what their motivation is, mm-hmm. what their heart is. And so, so you have two kinds of people in the church, two <laughs> kinds, two categories. The first is you have people who are trying to do good things to be saved, and they're stuck up. Uh-huh. And then you have people trying to do good things and they realize that they can't do it, that they, that, 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 that they keep falling over and over again and they give up. Mm-hmm. So, what category in you are you in? Are you stuck up, or have you given up? The bottom line is, is that you cannot do one thing to earn salvation. That's right. There is not. There is nothing. I mean, I don't care how you eat. I don't care what day you worship. I don't care how many times you read the Bible. None of that qualifies you for salvation. The Word of God says. I love what the Word of God says. The Bible says, "Your righteousness is as filthy rags." That's right. If, listen. If you could work your way to heaven, then you wouldn't need Jesus. That's right. And what they seem to forget is that if we can just fix him. Yeah. If we can just get him to act like us. Uh uh We're chained down. We're bound. If we can get him bound like us and normal, then we'll be okay with it. But listen, as we said, everybody repeat what's on the screen. Salvation is about character transformation, not behavior modification. Last thing I'm going to say is this. Character is the only thing you're going to take to heaven. That's right. Oh, Oh yeah. And the only person that can transform your character, his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. The word of
0: God says this. We continue on. Verse 5. The Bible says about this man, <laughs> night and day, Mm-mm. among the tombs mm. and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself. Ooh. The word of God is trying to tell us something, and here is what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Self-destructive behavior is often a cry for help. This brother was in the tombs, and somehow the human side of him is That's cutting right. himself. Right. And he's screaming out and shrieking and crying for help, but the people are not recognizing this as a cry for help. They just want to keep him chained up and bound. Many of us, see, this is the problem when we start to judge people in the world. Yeah. We do not know their story, and we don't know what they're going through. We judge the homosexuals, and sometimes we judge the lesbians. Because we think, oh, they're just evil, they're crazy, they're pedophilies, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. But you don't know their story and you don't know what they're going through. And sometimes young people especially are acting out with self-destructive behavior because they don't know where else to get help. They're crying out. They are crying a out. Cry out, for out. Yes. And let me say this. In our society today, homosexuality, Pastor, I believe we spoke about this the other day. Homosexuality and lesbianism, because I'm just using this as an example because we love to judge people because of this. In our society today, it is more for experimentation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young people just want to experiment with it.
1: That's right.
0: They're not really homosexual. Some of them are not. That's right. Some of them are not really lesbians. They're just doing it because it's the new cool thing. It's the new trend. You don't believe me today, but I sw- I'm telling you the truth tonight. The truth. I am right. telling you That's the right. truth tonight. And what you need to understand is that when we see boys with their pants below their waist, it doesn't mean they're a criminal. When we see brothers with hoodies on, doesn't mean that they are doing something they ain't got no business doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a cry for help. They don't know any better. Oh, man. When we have young girls in the church who cut themselves and burn themselves, we ought not judge them and say they're crazy. We ought not say that, oh, they're messed up in the head or they got a demon. Sometimes they are crying out to you, help me.
1: Yeah. You know what bothers me? When people say stuff like, well, they ought to know better. Oh, uh, let me ask you this: Have you ever done something you ain't had no business doing, and you knew better? If it was simply just knowing better not to do it, then all of us would be sin-free, wouldn't we? I mean, who in here would sin if you simply if, if simply just knowing better was the thing you needed not to do the wrong thing? Everybody in here knows that that you ought not be rude to people, but you're rude anyway. Everybody knows in here you ought to be kind to one another, but you're not always kind. Am I not right about it? Everybody knows you ought to love your enemies, but it's not always that easy to do it. Simply because, again, going back to the original point, you can't fix yourself. God has got to do that. And many of these people, in case of point, since you brought up homosexuality pastor, or any deviant behavior, yeah. one of the things that we are seeing, we better own this. God, listen, God is going to rain down judgment in the last days if we don't confess some stuff that we are guilty with. Yeah. A lot of these children, a lot of these babies and kids and even adults now who are struggling with sexual identity have been molested. Yeah. I need help. Their first... Sexual experience has been at the hands of a father or a mother, and it has been inappropriately. Now, if your first sexual experience is your daddy and you're a boy, then don't tell me you ain't going to be confused. That's right. That's right. And so we need to get a Chick-fil-A mentality and stop looking simply at what people do Mm -hmm. and start considering that it may be a cry for help. That's right. So put in your
0: mind tonight, put in your mind tonight, family members, friends, associates, co-workers, whoever it is, maybe somebody you've judged along the way in your life right now, you've set them apart and said they ain't never going to be better, they don't know any better, they don't know this, all this kind of stuff, and start to pray for them. Yes,
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yes.
0: Some of the stuff that they're yes. doing right now is simply a cry for help. Put their name before the Lord yes. before you judge yes, them. Yes, sir. Put, your, put their name before the Lord before you cast them away. Mm-hmm. Some of us have given up on our family members, Mercy. our sons, our daughters, our husbands. They ain't never going to get better. But
1: you ain't even prayed about that Come thing yet, in or invite Mercy. God into the situation. Mercy. Uh, verse six, verse six. Can we go to verse six, everybody? Read this. The Bible says, when he saw Jesus. Somebody wave your hand in the air and wave it like if you saw him. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he did, even with a demon in him, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Verse seven says, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, if, God, if in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. The next point we're going to make, Pastor, I'm going to pump this to you. God will match and surpass your desire with his desire. That's right. Hallelujah. Bottom line is this. We've been
0: saying this thing (laughs) night after night after night. I feel like a broken record. It's a God-honest truth as I know it in Jesus. God simply wants you to have a desire. That's it, brother. That's it. When we talk about righteousness by faith. God didn't ask you necessarily to do anything that's on the right, front end. That's right. He just said, believe in me. The, oh. yes. yes John 3.16 yes. says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth yes. in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God said, if you just believe in me, I will save you. Yes, yes. If you just want to believe in me, I'll save you. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, that brother, that, that father at the at the bottom of the mountain after Christ came down mm-hmm. uh, from the mountain of transfiguration, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus said to him, uh, do you believe in me? And he said, well, Jesus, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying essentially is, Jesus, I'm having a struggle believing, yes. but I want to believe. Yes. God took that and healed his son at that mm-hmm. moment. God just wants you to have the desire. When you have the desire, God will match that thing with his great power and then he will exceed what you have asked him to do. Oh, y'all don't believe that again. And I quote this text every time I preach. I don't know why. It just comes out. God is able to do exceedingly. Yes. Abundantly. Abundantly Above. Above above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. What we ask God to do, God is always prepared to do more
1: for us. That's right. Your starting point is simply, I want it. Mm -hmm. And if you want it, he'll deliver. The next point that we learn about this is nobody is too far gone. Oh, yeah. Now, this this is what, come on, somebody ought to shout to the Lord on this one. Come on in here. Brother Norton, I know you can praise God on this. Nobody's too far gone. This is amazing, Pastor. Let's talk about this for a minute. The man has demons, which we're going to find out momentarily. He is possessed a whole lot of demons, right? How is it that the word of God says that he sees Jesus and he runs to him? Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Listen. If we were to see somebody in this kind of condition mm-hmm. we would say we would say there's nothing we can do about with this person yeah, but this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus looks for problems yeah. Yeah. he looks for impossible situations mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks for people that the doctors have said that cannot be healed. he looks for children that parents have given up on yeah. he looks for husbands that wives have stopped praying for. He looks for people that look so far gone that people don't even think they have a chance or a right to be. Some of you are sitting in here right now simply because Jesus said they're not too far gone. I still see something inside of them worth saving. And here's the thing. That's why you can't, and we go back to this again, that's why you can't look at people and make destination determinations about them because you don't know if they have a desire in their heart Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. saying nobody
0: is too far gone. And here's what I want to say about that, Pastor, as well. There are some people in our lives right now, in our sphere, in our circle, who have simply not been given the opportunity to do better.
1: Yeah. 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 They have not been given the
0: opportunity to see Jesus. That's right. Because we, the Christians, supposedly have not shown it to them, that's right. nor have we exhibited the power of God in their lives. We have not given them an opportunity. I'll never forget this pastor. Mm -hmm. In Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from, I was a young boy. I was about to go to Oakwood. The pastor said, son, I want you to run a tent evangelistic crusade. And I was afraid, you know, young boy. I felt like (laughs) night after night I wasn't preaching the word of God well enough. I, I was saying the word of God is not getting into their spirit. They're not receiving this thing. And one night I'll never forget a brother who had on a do-rag and he had corn rolls in his hair, he looked kind of bummy, I'm not going to lie, I was judging him at that point, mm-hmm. looked like a, a guy from around the way, looked like a, a regular run-of-the-mill thug, as we would say, came up to me after service, I had never seen him before, and said to me, Pastor, I'm just waiting for you to make the call. Wow. Oh, Lord, wow. He said, Pastor, I'm just waiting for you to ask me, To come to the front. Mm -mm -mm. No time during that crusade had I made an appeal because I believe that nobody was there with the desire. Mm -hmm. This brother was waiting for me to make the appeal. And when I finally did the next night, the brother got baptized. What I'm trying to tell us today, you do not know the desire that is in somebody else's heart. There is nobody who is too far gone from God that God cannot lasso them and bring them back.
1: Can I say this, Pastor. And so I'm going to apply it this way. For those of you who are watching via the internet, and those of you sitting in here right now, I want you to put in your mind that person, that person. Now you don't have to admit it here, but let's just be honest. You have thrown you've thrown your hands up. You've thrown your hands up. You and you've said, "I can't anymore. I can't. I can't. I'm done." Hey, gonna, I got news for you right now. <laughs> God is praying for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And God is at work in their lives. Mm-hmm. Here's the amazing thing what Pastor basically showed us is the Spirit of God was at work before you Before got there. I got there. Mm-hmm. Before, I got there. Mm-hmm. before he got there. Mm-hmm. How many are witnesses of that? that mm-hmm. before, before he heard the sermon, before he came back to church, the Holy Ghost caused his car to run into a wall. Amen. God was working on this man to save him. That's why you can't give up on nobody, especially when God has not given up on you. Come on in here. (laughs) Uh, Next verse. Verse 9 says this. And I love Jesus' strategy. All the church could learn from the strategy of Jesus. When Jesus sees this demon-possessed man coming to him, levitating off the ground, foaming out of his mouth, hair matter to his face, blood everywhere, half naked, the Bible says that he enters a conversation with him. Oh, yeah. And he says, the Bible says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Go ahead, Pastor. What is
0: your name? Here's a point we want to make. Jesus does not judge us (laughs) on our worst moment. (laughs) Just take the perspective of the disciples Ah, at this time. Yes. Jesus steps out of the boat. This wild, crazy man comes running towards them. And they don't even come back. The Spirit of prophecy says they're actually looking and watching the scene from a great distance because they are afraid of what's about to happen. They are afraid uh, for Jesus and for this man. They are scared out of their minds. And then Jesus asks them a peculiar question. Brother, what is your name? (laughs) Now, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, no, Jesus, that has no bearing on the situation right now. Yeah, kill him or something. Either either we leave him or heal him, kill him, (laughs) do something. His name has absolutely no vital importance at this point right right, now. Why are you asking him his name? Mm -hmm. Do you know why Jesus asked him his name? Because Jesus recognizes that behind his flaws and behind his mistakes, there's a person there who may have a desire to be saved. Which means that Myself and yourself, Pastor, we are not simply a cocktail of the mistakes that we've made in life. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank God that God doesn't ask me to wear my sins on my sleeve. Yes. Thank God that God doesn't tell me I have to report everything I've done to the newspaper so that everybody has to know. That's right. Jesus sees us not only for who we are, but for what we can become. Yes. And he asked this brother, brother, what is your name? I know that you are somebody's husband. Yes. You're somebody's uncle. You're somebody's cousin. Somebody's son. You, you have, you have a past. You have a present, and I declare today that you will have a future as well.
1: Yes. One, and one of the things we need to also learn from this is that Jesus is actually interested in getting to know people. Mm. A lot of times in church, we're more interested in having somebody sit in our pews, look a certain way, and pack our churches out and believe what we believe, instead of stay with me, everybody. Instead of getting to know who they are. I mean, look. I mean, you see a wild person. You, I mean, you like trying to have a conversation with him, trying to find his name. Here's the other thing. Name in scripture means character. So when, or story, so to speak. So when Jesus is saying, what is your name? He's really asking the brother, what's your story? Yeah. In other words, how, how did you get here? One of the things you learn in psychology, one of the things we just were at Andrews University sharing with the seminarians there is this, is that any time a, a physician, Huh? Anybody ever been to a doctor before? When you go into the office, they give you paperwork out. And what do they ask you for? They ask you for the history, right? They ask you for your medical history. Why? Because they cannot give you a proper diagnosis or prognosis unless they know what possibly contributed to where you are right now. You just don't look at somebody and say, let's put a Band-Aid on them and keep it moving. Jesus says, even though you are in a terrible situation, I want to know how you got here. And here's the good news about all of us that we need to receive tonight. I want you to get the worst moment in your life right now. Yes, the worst thing that you've ever done. Your worst moment. Your worst experience. The most guilty that you have ever felt. And in that moment, Jesus Christ feels better about you than you can ever imagine. Yeah. Jesus' love does not decline when we do ugly stuff. The Bible says we're sin abouts. Grace doth much more about. So, the worse I am, the better his love gets for me in that moment. Yeah. Come on in here. Yeah, I'm just grateful yes.
0: for what that song says. God looks past my faults yes. to see my needs. Yes. The disciples could not, the church folk, the ones that are that who are supposed to be saved could not see that this brother just needed help. They were afraid. They were running from him. They had no answer for him. And Jesus says, brother, what is your name? (laughs) I know you got a past. I know you got a present. And I'm declaring
1: that you have a future. Sure. Next verse. The Bible says, he said, this was his response. He says, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. In other words, we know that this was a demon-possessed man. Amen? amen. And and, and the word legion is a Greek terminology to describe a battalion of forces that was somewhere around 4,000 to 6,000 soldiers. So we don't know exactly how many demons were in him, but one one thing we do know, Pastor, is that he was totally, his life had become totally unmanageable and the enemy had totally taken control. How does one get this kind of demonic influence and this kind of demonic possession? Well, first of all, I want to say this.
0: Many of us
1: think of demon
0: possession as something that only happens in the Bible.
1: <laughs>
0: the word of God clearly tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood.
1: That's right. That's the sad
0: right. thing that all of us have to realize is this, and I pray that you're paying attention to me and I pray you receive this. Many of us are simply a stone's throw away from being demon possessed. My Lord. My Lord. Many of us are just a short distance away from the devil having cart blotched authority over Mercy. our
1: lives. That's right.
0: Many of us are just a minute one step, one mistake, one bad choice that God has warned us about. We are one decision away from the devil sweeping in and enshrouding our lives with darkness. That's right. Now, if you are not scared by that, I'm praying for you. But it just tells us that we have to be in such constant communication with God. We have to have a life of prayer where we are pouring out our souls to
1: God and as Sister White says, repenting constantly to Him. Yeah, there are basically three steps, uh, you know, and it depends on where you are. According to Scripture, that causes one to be in a place where they are possessed. possessed. Number one, you have a carnal mind. The Scripture talks about having a carnal mind. What is a carnal mind? It's simply not having the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is unselfish love. So what is the opposite of that? Selfishness. So if you are a self-centered, self-absorbed person, then you are taking the first step towards demonic mm-hmm. influence. Yeah. All right. Number two, the second step is strongholds. The Bible talks in Second Corinthians, I believe the eighth chapter about about having strongholds in our lives. Stronghold is another terminology for military base. So in other words, you go from a self-centered person to then having areas in your life. And see, this is this is why this thing gonna come home to us tonight because all of us have an area in our lives that is a stronghold. In other words, the enemy has taken this area and says, I own this if you you're a lying spirit i own that area you got an addicted spirit i own that area Uh you have an anger problem i own that area you have an unforgiveness problem i own that area in other words he takes his strategic power and sets up base on that area now here's the thing he doesn't have total control over you but he desires to have control in that area yeah and so it's, it's much like what we see the United States doing. The next step then is occupation. Occupation is another word for possession. So look at the United States. We've talked about this many times before. United States is very calculated when they go and take over a country. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. United States and Britain, you know what they do first? When I was over in Africa, Africa they had McDonald's over there, K, KFC. Come on in here. I mean, rap music. Come on, y'all. You know? And so what happened is they began to get American mindset, mm-hmm. right? And the next thing you know, you know, we say, we need an embassy over there. We need to put a, a. Can you mind if we bring our Navy over there and have a base over there so that we have some kind of military authority, a stronghold is then set up. And then before you know it, before you know, it, look at Egypt, come on in here. Look at Libya, come on in here, somebody look at Iraq, come on in here, somebody before you know it, United States has control. We put our leader in charge of the country. And that's essentially what the devil is doing in many of our lives. He gets us selfish. Then he gets us in an area where we don't surrender an area yeah. of our lives to God. And then after that, he starts setting up more and more strongholds to the point where he has sole authority. When he speaks, we listen. That's right.
0: That's right. Basically, Satan finds a chink in our armor, That's right. a weakness, which is why the word of God says that we ought to be clothed with the armor of God. That's right. You can't have on your own armor and expect to defend yourself against the devil. The Bible says you ought to have the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the devil that he is going to unleash upon you. And please, brothers and sisters... Please don't think that just because we are in the church today that the devil cannot come into our lives. Ooh. Many times in the Bible, Jesus went to the synagogue and there was some brother or some sister sitting up in the church lifting hands and praising God and they were demon possessed. That's right. That's right. People That's right. were the, the devil comes to church. Yes, he does. <laughs> he yes, is he here. <laughs> many times when we are worshiping God and trying to serve him, when people are trying to come forward, he causes all manner of distractions. He puts thoughts in people's minds to make them not come down for the appeal. Right. The devil is just as much in the church as he is outside of the church, and we got to
1: know that this evening. That's right. Let's keep it going here. Verse 10. The Bible says, And he begged Jesus, mm-hmm. he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area, the demons out of the area. Verse 15. Let's skip. The Bible says that he, uh, y'all know the story after this, when he begged him, that Jesus was saying, Come out of him, come out of him. And when the demons came out, the demons said, Please don't send us this anywhere. Send us into the what? Into the pigs. And so, and so, of course, they went to the pigs. The pigs went down. The Bible says it was something like 2,000 pigs. Mm-hmm. And so you got 2,000 pigs that had, been, had, been, uh, had, had been, been taken over by the demons. And this man, the demons that were in him, went from him to the pigs. Yeah. Now, watch what happens here in verse 15. The Bible says, when they came to uh-huh. Jesus, oh, yeah. these are the people that, that, that own the pigs. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there. Dressed and in his right mind, and they praised the Lord. They began to celebrate his deliverance. They began to worship God. They began to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for setting this man. We tried everything we could, and we couldn't do it. But Jesus has done it. They, they didn't, the word of God says they celebrated that thing, right? What does the word of God say? The word of God says that they were afraid. Yeah. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, there's
0: something wrong with this text. Just seems as though somebody who was evidently a part of their community at one time, somebody's husband, this demoniac formerly known as somebody's husband, some brother, some uncle, something, they would be happy to know that this brother is, is, well, first of all, it's amazing that immediately he's clothed and dressed in his right mind. You Jesus not do that. Yes, sir. When Jesus casts out the demon, immediately (laughs) he he is clothed and dressed in his right mind. Yes. But the word of God says these people are afraid and somewhat to a certain extent they are angry, which we will find out that's in right, just a moment, right, right. simply because their pigs, or the way they make money, has been taken away from them. That's right. So right. here's what we want to point out about this. What has you? You don't need a demon to be possessed. Here's what we get from this story as we were studying it today. These people <laughs> were more upset about losing their pigs than being happy for Joe, who had just gotten his life back together. Mm -hmm. They are more saddened by the fact that their bottom line has been messed up. That's right. That their finances are not in order, that they don't have as much profits as they would have had, than this man being brought back to normalcy in his life. There's something wrong with the people of God. Mm -hmm. When we are more concerned about ourselves and other things, when we have not put changing people's lives at the highest priority.
1: Yeah, and you can, see it, in our, you can see it a lot in our churches and our lives. The stuff that makes most church people angry is not when people leave the church. Mm-hmm. No, amen. We should be raising holy hell mm-hmm. for all the people that have left. But that's not what we raise hell about. We raise hell about politics, we raise hell about what's going on in the church, what this person is doing, what decision is being made, what somebody is wearing, what kind of music is being played. Don't tell me that our our priorities are the same as Jesus. Our priorities are much like these people. They were mad. Not I mean they were it should have been excited that that a life had been saved. But instead, they were mad because a political decision, a financial decision had been made. They lost 2,000 pigs, but they gained two men, and they were still upset.
0: Yeah. And I think the argument we want to make tonight is that they were just as possessed as this demoniac. That's right. Yes, the right. Bible doesn't say that they were demon-possessed. Yes, right. Only the demoniac in the story was possessed with a legion or 6,000 demons. Mm. But we want to argue tonight that they were just as possessed as he was. Yes. They were possessed by their stuff. That's yes, right. Some of you think you have your stuff, but your stuff has you. That's yes, right. You're possessed by things, and yes, you don't right. need a demon to be possessed per se. Yes, right. But you are so materialistic. You want so much stuff. You have so much stuff. And if God were to ever take that stuff away from you, you would lose your mind. You wouldn't have the connection with God that you have right now. The only reason many of us are still in the church right now or even have a a sense of a relationship with God right now is because God has allowed us to keep some of our stuff. But just like the rich young ruler, if God were to come to us and tell us, listen, sell all your possessions and follow me, many of us would walk away sorrowful just as he
1: did. Yeah, yeah. They got mad at Jesus because he started a revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus started a revival in their town, and I'm gonna say it, they were demon possessed. This is amazing to me. The, you, have the, you have what we would consider to be the worst person in the city. Okay. Yeah. The worst person. Mm-hmm. He has a desire, though. Mm-hmm. Right. The other people, they're, they're good, upstanding people, they go to church. Come on, they got their, they a little business on the side. Mm-hmm. They're doing well for themselves. They got his and her BMWs in the garage. They live in a gated community. They're doing all right for themselves. And guess what? The person that leads with the blessing is not the folk that you would assume. It's the worst person in the community. Wow! wow. Now, don't tell me they didn't have the devil in them. Mm-hmm. When you get mad that somebody gets saved, you got the devil in you. The mind of Christ gets excited when somebody comes, we're having a baptism tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I can almost promise you that we, as we prepare for this baptism, the devil is going to try to, try right. to come in and mm-hmm. bring some kind of distraction in their lives. I just got a text message from one of the people who's getting baptized tomorrow. And they said, Pastor, me, right in the middle of the sermon, Pastor, pray for me. I'm under the attack of the devil mm-hmm. as we are preaching because the enemy does not want to see people delivered. That's, right. That's right. And you would think that people that have been delivered would be excited yeah, happy. about somebody else being delivered, but if if you are not excited about somebody else's deliverance, it's because you ain't been delivered. Let's go. Verse uh, 16. Yeah. Those
0: who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And then they told about the pigs as well. Now it just seemed like they would have just told them about the demon-possessed man, like, yo, dude, the- Joe is back. Yes. Praise God! Yes. Joe is back. Yes. We're so happy. We lost him for a while, but Joe has just gotten saved. Yes. But the Word of God says they equate them losing their pigs to this man being
1: saved. There's something wrong with that, brothers and sisters. Oh yeah, yeah. Joe got saved, yep. and uh, yeah, what happened? Joe got saved, and he was delivered. But you know, we lost our pigs, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like really, yeah. seriously? This mess, this is a... Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Then the people began
0: to <laughs> plead Lord with Jesus, mm. beg him. Jesus, leave this region, Lord have mercy, and leave us alone. But then, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Mercy! The people said, Jesus, get out of here. This brother said, Jesus, if you're leaving, I'm going with you. I ain't staying here with them. And so we have two prayers two prayers that are going on right now and Jesus in some sense he answers one but he doesn't necessarily he answers both yes, he does. but he doesn't answer the way that we would think that's right now look at this there are two prayers going on mm-hmm. the people in the town tell Jesus Jesus yeah. leave now that's a bad prayer that's a bad prayer never use telling Jesus get out of my life that's a bad prayer we yeah, don't want yeah, you yeah. to ever pray that brothers and sisters. we want Jesus in your life the funny thing is Jesus answers that prayer because he says, I'm out. Okay. I got to get out of here. I'm out. Right. If there's no desire, which is what you need in the first place to be saved, Jesus says, okay, I'm out. Yes, Jesus is a gentleman. He will knock on the door of our hearts, but he's not going to kick that door down. The only way he is coming in our lives is if we want him to come. Yes. Sir. So Jesus answers the bad prayer in the affirmative. But notice. When the demoniac says, "Jesus, please let me go with you," which is a good prayer, <laughs> I would pray that you wouldn't be praying Jesus wherever well, you are. Right here that's you. where yes. I want to be. Yes, I want to hang on your coattail. I want to be blessed wherever you're going, Jesus. That's where I want to go. Jesus says no. Yes, man. Oh man, have mercy, on oh Lord. Jesus answers the bad prayer in the affirmative. I'm out, and he answers
1: the good prayer in the negative. Why does he do that? Yeah, and let me say this real quick. Mm-hmm. We're always praying, mm-hmm. oh, okay. and you don't always have to use words. Yeah. Your behavior could be saying, "Jesus, we don't want you here." Wow. Oh wow! The way that you carry oh, wow. on in your house. Oh yeah! Oh wow! Could be saying, "Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, you're not welcome here." The way you conduct your marriage could be saying. Spirit of the living God, get out. <laughs> the way that we do church could be saying, God, we don't want you here. And you know what? You don't have to beg God on that one. God, would, because understand this. If God stayed, he wouldn't be no benefit. That's right. You if couldn't he, do he preached a sermon to you, you would not receive it because you don't want him there. Yeah. And so, watch this now. They pray, leave. He prays, stay. And this is what Jesus says in verse 19: Jesus did not let him. him. <laughs> But said, thank God he doesn't answer all our prayers, amen. But said, go home. Somebody shout, go home. Go home. <laughs> go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Verse 20 says, so the man went away and began to tell in the capitalist. The capitalist means 10 cities. The <laughs> yeah. brother went and preached in 10 cities. Ten cities. Uh-huh. How much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Pastor, I want to set you up on this and yeah. take this next point. He had not had a, 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 a 27 fundamental beliefs Bible oh, class. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, y'all not hearing yeah, me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with
1: you. I'm with you. I'm he with you. had not even been baptized. That's right. hmm. Uh-huh. hmm. Uh-huh. He he had not he had not gone to seminary. Yeah, he had not gone to Oakwood or to Andrews. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had not sat in in the presence of the prophets, mm-hmm. but he had been with Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 Jesus says. If, if, what is the qualification, then, Pastor? Mm-hmm. What is the qualification for me to be able to tell mm-hmm. what great things God has done in my life? I simply have the desire, and I realize God has
0: done something for me in my life. That's right. You don't got to take everybody through an amazing facts uh, uh, <laughs> a study uh, Bible study. You ain't got to take everybody through the 2300-day prophecy and delineate exactly what all the numbers mean. The Bible even says that there was an Ethiopian one day who was just studying the word of God. And he says, what hinders me from being baptized? Right now. Philip baptized him at that moment and the brother got saved. Yes. we should. Oh, man. We should not make a wall for people to climb over before they get to Jesus. Hallelujah. They said, see Jesus. And then with the desire that they get from Jesus. Yes, The authority that they get from Jesus. The power and love that they get from Jesus that's what motivates them to climb the wall. Yes. sir. Oh man, yes, I just yes, love sir. this story, Pastor, because Jesus would not stay in that region because if he stayed there, he couldn't do no good anyway. Yes. The people did not want him there. They would not have received. They would not have received. Yes. In fact, they might have thrown him off a cliff somewhere yes. and tried to kill him. They did not yes. agree with him. Yes. But when this brother said, "Jesus, can I go with you?" Jesus turns him around and said, "Brother, I don't need you to follow me. You have already been healed. Yes. Sir. I have made you whole. What I need you to do is
1: go out." And share the good news of what God has done in your life. Yeah, here's here's the thing, man. One, oh man, see, when you have been through something oh, 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 and God and you know that you know, I love my mama just to say that you, know, know, that that you know. know that you know that you know that you know it was nobody but Jesus yeah, 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 yeah. that brought you from hell and back. Uh-huh. You don't need nobody simply just to to tell you what to say. The Bible didn't tell Jesus what to say. He just simply said, go and tell them what I've done for you. Have I got anybody out here that simply knows what God has done? Do you not have a testimony? Do you not have a story of where God has brought you from? Do you not have a reason to open up your mouth and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found? And here's the thing, his story would be more effective oh, uh-huh. than doctrine. Yeah, 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 What people want to hear is not how much you know, yes. but yeah. how much God has delivered you. And so he said, I love this part, Pastor. He says, I want you to go home first. Oh, save your family. <laughs> I want you to, oh, come on in here, somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. I want you to, how many know home is someone, one of the hardest places in the world to convince people that you've been changed? Yeah. Come on in here, somebody. It's hard to convince your family folks that you're a new person. But this is what Jesus wanted to do. He says, if you can pass the home test, then you can go anywhere. Come on in here, somebody. See, many of us have not passed the home test. (laughs) See, we got Uh saved at church, and when we go home, we go back to our ways because we let our families lure us back into being our own selves. But God says, if you can learn how to treat your family right, right. He says, then you're qualified to go someplace else. Many of you are not qualified to talk of God's goodness yet because you have not dealt with your family yet. Your family ought to see that something has happened in your life. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so he said, go home first. He go home first. Yes, sir. I think
0: we haven't even given this story much justice, Pastor. This brother had 6,000 demons inside of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. If the devil would have sent one demon into our lives, we would not be saved today. <laughs> this brother had 6,000 demons. The worst case scenario. Living amongst the tombs, cutting himself. He was crazy and manic and butt naked all over the place. And the Bible says after Jesus finished dealing with him, he is sitting there cold and dressed <laughs> in his right mind. mind. Here's what I want to say. You already read this thing, but I got to say it loud and proud. If God has done anything for you. Anything tell your story. Tell your story. Tell somebody what God has done for you in your life. Don't keep it to yourself. Yes. Don't hold it up. Don't just don't get fat off the gospel. If God has revealed something to you, if God has told you what your purpose is, if God has taken you away from some things, let people know where they can come and find help as well. And here's a text that I always love. Psalms 107 verse 2. Let the redeemed, oh God, <laughs> of the say of the Lord, <laughs> say so. But yes we to forget this part, whom He has redeemed, yes, Lord, from the hands <laughs> of the enemy, my Lord. Many of us were <laughs> in the hands, <laughs> yes, Lord, of the enemy. Preach, and had not God loosened the clutch of the devil himself on our lives? We would not be here today. Come on. In so here. God says you ought to speak up loud and proud. We can talk about everything else. Yes. We can gossip about everything else. Why can we not gossip about the gospel? Yeah. Why can we not tell people how good God has been to yes. us? Why are we afraid? You know, I'm sick and tired of being ashamed of talking about yes. God even in yes. secular society. Yes. Even when I meet somebody in the grocery store, I'm tired of being ashamed oh my of my job people. Yes. God saved my life. Yes, sir. And I'm Jesus to save is in yes, my sir. life. I pray to Him and He answers my prayers. Right. God is the head of my life. He is leading me right now. Why are we ashamed
1: to tell people what God has done? And what gives you the authority mm-hmm. to talk about your story is the fact that you lived it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't nobody? Uh, can't nobody tell your story like you can tell that's your right, story. That's right. Everybody doesn't have the same story. One man might struggle with alcohol. Another man might have alcohol. But it's two different stories. And it's his story. He owns that story. God gave him that story. And God expects us to tell people what the Lord has done. Amen. Now, there are three degrees of comparison that Charles Spurgeon suggests on this text. And we're going to close here. Three degrees of comparison. First, he says that there are some of us, as the demoniac said, he said, I just want to stay with you. Yeah, yeah. Or I want to be with Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's some of us who love to be with Christ. We love church. We love to be in his presence. Some of y'all just church people as long as if the doors are open. You're going to be there. Come on in here. If they say lift your hands, you're going to lift your hands. If it's time to stand, you're going to stand. If it's time to sit down. You're going to sit down. When the appeal comes, you're going to come down. Amen. You're just a church person. And that's that's one level. Some of us just like to be with God, mm-hmm. with Christ. But that's not where we got to stay. There's another level that we got to get to. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, and
0: then some of us are like the disciples. We're working for Christ, but we ain't really with him.
1: Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man.
0: We're in the church. We're paying our tithe. We're doing all the necessary steps that we think we have to do to be saved. We're following all the rules. And we're kind of, to a certain degree, we help people, and we think that we're a good person. We do good moral things. We feed the poor. We reach out to people sometimes. But our personal lives with God are not complete, and they are not together. So even though we are working for Christ... God is not necessarily with us. And like the disciples that day, they see this man and they're working with him, but they run away from him. And many
1: times we can do the work of God, but forget the God of the work. That's right. The last one. This is where God wants us. God wants us to get to a place where we're working with Christ. We're doing his work, but we're also loving the day by day relationship with Jesus Christ that spurs us. The Bible says to good works. In other words, I shouldn't have to feel like I'm forcing myself to tell yeah. my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that thing should come natural. I should not be ashamed to talk or to minister or to witness. It should just come out of the overflow of a day-by-day relationship. He walks with me. He talks with me. Mm-hmm. He tells me that I am his own. And, all oh, the joy we share as we tarry there, none of us know. And so we just to a place where we're so in love with Jesus that it just flows out of our life. I'm in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at my beautiful baby sitting over there. I haven't seen her in two days. Oh, Come yes. on in here. Pray for the preacher, somebody. Ah. Oh, I love that woman. Mm-hmm. When she walked in here tonight, I tried to pretend like I wasn't excited. Mm-hmm. But I got to pause right now and just praise the Lord that I'm laying eyes on that beautiful woman. Come on in here. Yes, you know why? Mm-hmm. I'm in love, saints. Mm-hmm. I don't mind talking about my yeah, sunshine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. my sugar love. Come yeah, on in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My boo. Come on yeah, in here, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love that woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the same <laughs> thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell that you're in love with somebody oh, yes. when you can't stop but talk about who God is in your life. Come on in here and say man. Let's end this thing tonight. Somebody needs to come to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the thing mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. You could be the demon-possessed man. And many of us don't want to consider ourselves there. That. That's right. Right, right. Or you can con- you can consider yourself to be the disciples. You're, you're a fearful person, and you're running at every opportunity that God leads you. Or there are some of you who are like these people. Your priorities are not God's priorities. You get more mad about stuff in your personal life than you are that the devil is wreaking havoc in the world. Or there are some of you, there are some of you, there are some of you who are like Jesus Christ. But I want to suggest to you tonight that most of us do not fall in Jesus category. Wow. We fall in the category of the demon-possessed man. Wow. Hmm. The crowd. Come on in here, somebody. This is where we find ourselves. But by the grace of the disciples, but God, by the grace of God tonight, God is calling you. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Father, we have heard from your word tonight. And one thing we know for sure, you are powerful. Oh, yes. You are powerful. Yes. And we do not want to underestimate in all that we the points that we have made tonight. Just how powerful you are. Mm -hmm. If a man or a woman or a boy or a girl has a desire for Jesus to come into their life, there Mm -hmm. is no devil in hell that can stop it. That's right. (laughs) Ha-ha! 6,000 demons suppressed this man. (laughs) Even when he prayed, Mm -hmm. his own words didn't come out. But the voice of demons came out. But it couldn't stop Jesus from getting in. Nothing. You are more powerful than an old rascal the devil. And you've got authority over him if we have a desire you will meet us where we are, and so right now, those of you who agree with God's word tonight, I want you to stand right where you are. If you accept that God's.